Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out podcast. That was Alpha Strategy with Steel Hair. That track comes off of their new EP, Staple My Hand to Yours, which will be released later this week. And it appears to be a self-released record. You'll have to find that out for yourself. But I can tell you with absolute certainty that it's four spectacular tracks. It's the first new music since 2018's The Gurgler album. Both of those, uh, I should mention, were 
recorded, produced by Steve Albini at uh, Electric Audio Studios in Chicago. Uh, got a lot in common with today's guests, by the way. He produced two of their records as well. Anyway, Rory Hinchy of Alpha Strategy reached out to me about this new release. And again, I've checked it out. I think it's very cool. Uh, they they mostly play in uh, Europe and uh, Canada. That's where he was originally originally from before relocating to Europe. Hopefully sometime in the near future, they'll make it over here to the U.S. of A. So I'm honestly not sure on the availability for the physical records, but you can certainly pick it up online. Go stream it front to back wherever you can find it. It'll be available. You know how it works. I think the official release date is July 8th, but that's just later this week. So just wait a couple days. All right. And go check out Alpha Strategy. And if you don't want to wait that long, go check out The Gurgler. It's out there already. You'll like it. I do believe that one of the tracks from this uh, is out as a single right now, The Caressing Cloth. But uh, the one you just heard was Steel Hair, and I hope you liked it. Anyway, what's happening on this episode of the podcast? I already kind of uh, hinted at it. You probably already know because you clicked on the damn thing. I got an interview with Dan Adams of Oxbow, my second Oxbow interview in less than a year. And I'm always happy to do that. But first, let's go to New Jersey. Let's get that crossover. Let's get that hot zone. Kick it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! These two my family make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I can't speak for everyone who listens to this podcast, as I know I have plenty of international listeners. But today is what we call the 4th of July. It's when the United States of Independence celebrates its independence. You probably already knew that. You probably don't care. I admittedly don't care very much myself. Uh, don't worry. Today I got in a run. I went to the gym. I smoked a brisket. I uh, am working on this podcast I'm enjoying my day off, as I tend to do when I have a day off. Oh, this is like a real day off. There are no obligations because you can't do anything because everything's closed. I thought I wanted to go somewhere earlier today aside from the gym. And uh, it, I just drove past it. and was like, I can't I can't go to there. It was like CVS or something. It's like, that's that's shut. Uh, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the 4th of July for the official reasons and the unofficial reasons, mostly because it's a day off in the summer. It's afforded me many benefits in the past. When my daughter was born on June 30th of 2013, the only reason I was able to take a full week off, thanks America, was because of its birthday. And that's an ironic thanks, of Amer thanks America and a serious thanks America. Thanks America for making it so hard to get some fucking time off at work that I only had four days vacation at that point. And it just so happened to land on your fucking birthday so I could take a week to enjoy the birth of my daughter. And then I was back to work for the rest of the year. Year. Anyway, if you're international, you probably don't know what that's about. I mean, you probably know what that's about. You don't have to deal with that. The, the severe lack of time off that we get from our jobs here in this stupid country. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm not. I, 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 I'm getting a little out of, out of hand here. I'm not really complaining about the country. I'm not one of those people. I'm also not uh, like flag waving patriot type. I'm just like a middle of the road on everything. This is just me. My opinion on everything is just like there is no opinion. 
Just let's not, let's talk about something else. What? I don't know. I don't care. Just not this. Whatever you're interested in talking to me about, nix it. Move on. Let's talk about something else. What? I don't know. I'd rather not talk. That's the honest truth. I'd rather not talk. Weird thing for a guy to say who's talking to nobody right now and simultaneously lots of people sitting in my basement just jabber jawing about nothing to nobody indirectly, directly, I mean. And uh, I'm just talking to a couple of Iron Maiden empty beer bottles here. Empty Iron Maiden beer bottles. Yeah, I got a Trooper, Day of the Dead, Cheshire, England. Uh, What is that? I forget what that even was. Um, And a Iron Maiden Trooper IPA. None of them were any good. If you ever see these Iron Maiden beers out there, buy them because they look cool. Don't buy them because they taste good. Anyway, moving on. I also have open here on my computer. I just want to mention it because I was tempted to put it in this episode, but I've already got everything set up, is a new single from the uh, Super Unknown Redux from Magnetic Eye Records. If you've been following Getting It Out podcast at all, gettingitout.net, you'll know that I had uh, Jad Schickler from Magnetic Eye Records on a couple months ago to discuss these uh, Redux tribute albums to Soundgarden and, uh, well, all the ones from the past too, but specifically the ones that are about to drop for Soundgarden and probably the best version of a Soundgarden track that has come out is the one that just dropped today on 4th of July. It is 4th of July by Mark Urselli Steppendoom, which is a really interesting project. Um, I don't, I honestly didn't know who Mark Urselli is. I've had to look him up, even though he did that album like a year or two ago, maybe it was last year. That was really cool too. It like keeps eluding me who this person is. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why we call it his band and not just the name of the band, but whatever. doesn't matter. It's an interesting project. Every song is different, different collaborators. Anyway, my point is I'm not playing the track here, but I want to encourage you to go check it out. Th- those records should be out. I think the 14th. So you could just wait for that. There was also another great, uh, a great cover, Soundgarden cover from Darker, like Suicide. Uh, that's from the best of Soundgarden Redux. Anyway, this is not supposed to be a commercial for the Magnetic Eye Records Redux series, but it has turned out to be. It's topical. Fourth of July. It's the 4th of July. Although when you listen to this, not the 4th of July anymore. Definitely the 5th of July at the earliest. That's when I'm going to put it out. Do you get me? You following? Unless you're in like fucking, uh, I don't know, who's way behind us? Japan? Where's the time zones flip? Okay. I know that uh, like Australia's in the future by, by my time. And uh, the Los Angeles is three hours behind me. Hawaii, who knows? Who cares? Who, what happens when we get to eight? Where's the flip? Where's the switch? How do we get? How do we go from the behind? Like, you know, if Australia's ahead of us and Hawaii's behind us, what say you, Guam? I don't, I don't know where Guam sits exactly, which is an interesting thing to say because I should know those Pacific Islands a little better. Oh, here's a little fact for you. My grandfather once ran the island of Saipan. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? And I'm being, I'm exaggerating a lot, but he used to live on the island of Saipan and he did something for the government. You can look him up. Use my last name. He'll, he'll show up in your Wikipedia things. Shows up with the, with the president, Lyndon Johnson, Helping uh, Lady Bird Johnson put her cardigan on or something. That's my grandfather. Why? He was a congressman. And then he went out to uh, work on the island of Saipan. I wish I knew more. I'm sure I could know more. I just have to ask questions, but that would require conversation. I don't feel like having conversations, though I want you to listen to me have a conversation. This isn't really making sense. 
And I'm okay with that. I'm going to have you do that. You're going to listen to me talk to Dan Adams of Oxbow. Oxbow has a new album called Love's Holiday. It comes out July 21st, I think. And this one is the first record on Epicac Recordings, which seems like a logical place for them to be. Uh, and they are finally there. I did want to ask him if this meant that they are doing continuing with the reissues for their past catalog on Epicac. As last year, I talked to Eugene S. Robinson of Oxbow, of course about the reissue of Let Me Be a Woman on Black House Records, which I have a copy here. It rules. So hopefully they're doing the rest of the records too on Epicac or wherever. I don't care. Anyway, Dan was great. I uh, totally get intimidated when I have to talk to a member of Oxbow. And it's not like uh, they're imposing. It's not because they're imposing figures by any means. It's just because they're like uh, real people who have like the most impressive resumes even outside of their band stuff. So it's uh, it's like I always feel like a moron. I've turned down interviews with people before because I felt like I didn't have anything I could say to them that wouldn't make me sound like a moron. And maybe I should do that when I talk to the members of Oxbow, but I don't. I just let it go. Let it flow. And you'll hear that in this conversation with Dan. But before you hear that, I'm going to play you a song from their new record. This one's called Icy White and Crystalline. And then my conversation with bassist Dan Adams.
Crossbow, of course, is the band. You've been a member the whole time, right? You've been a day one member. Yes, pretty much. Day one was a little complicated because uh, it started off the first record, Fuckfest. There wasn't really a plan necessarily to become a, a band. Mm-hmm. It was more a project that, that Nico and Eugene had put together. And so they, um, you know, pulled in a variety of musicians they knew to, to work on the record. Um, and I was not on the record. I hadn't connected with them yet. Uh, I met them right when the uh, first time I met them. I'd walked in uh, and actually answered a, an ad to because uh, Whipping Boy was looking for uh, at that time a drummer mm-hmm. and a drummer as well. And so I went uh, to meet them. And it was at a time Eugene was in a closet singing some of the vocals for Fuck Fest at, at, at the house they lived in, which is where Bart Thurber had his studio House of Faith at the time. So I met them at the time and then um, kind of was in the last gasping breaths of of Whipping Boy was playing Mm -hmm. drums in that band. And um, I I was it's a little unclear to me. I I think there was a a couple of the initial Oxbow songs that we played in a a show or two. Uh, And then at one point, the uh, like the, the current bass player in that group left. I played some bass also, so I switched into a bass role. Um, Tom Dobroff, who had played drums on half of the tracks on the first record, joined up, and then we became basically performing as Oxbow. So on the first record, there were two drummers, Tom and Greg. Tom played with us for the first couple of records, and then he had to go off and do other things in life, and and so Greg was around, and Greg was uh, available and willing, and it's, it's been uh, been with the band ever since. It's pretty remarkable that you guys have been together for this long. Same group, same group of guys. Uh, I was talking to somebody else. I forget who I was fucking talking to, but somebody mm-hmm. recently was kind of the same deal. Where it's like you to be a band for a long time is difficult. To be a band with the same people uh, is even more difficult. Obviously, for for like the most basic reasons, right? So you mentioned uh, kind of getting into the fold through whipping boy in a way so one thing with oxbow is that the music that oxbow makes that you guys do perform right whatever you want to fucking say is not to me entry-level music right you got to go through some steps of some shit to get down to where oxbow is to even find it to hear it right yeah so Which, what was your path? Because you mentioned Whipping Boy, so that makes me think maybe some hardcore. But Whipping Boy at that point wasn't quite a, a hardcore band. But, you know, so so where did you come in? What's, what was your path to this type of music? Yeah, well, um, and there's, there's kind of two phases of that history. One was the pre-Oxbow phase. And then there was still quite a phase when I joined Oxbow before I was like fully had my head around it. And it was not a short phase. But um, when I played... I like everybody in the band, pretty, I'm pretty omnivorous about music You know, listen to a lot of stuff, um, play a lot of different styles. Uh, I had grown up playing some piano and then I picked up drums. Uh, and then in high school, a little bit in junior high school, but more high school, I was playing a lot of jazz stuff and the school, school jazz band. And then, uh, um, my brother and some friends we know we had a jazz combo and did some playing and there was a um a jazz workshop nearby it was kind of an educational facility or project uh, that i was involved in some so 
kind of fo- focused on jazz stuff, but um, then learning about rock and roll. Um, my mom was a huge uh, R&B fan. Uh, she had an incredible record collection when I was a kid. You know, there would be like I can Tina Turner blaring while she was, you know, moving around the house doing stuff or she had the Doors records. She loved some of the tracks on there, um, a bunch of jazz records. So Bessie Smith, a bunch of just real wide range of things, but all really nice grooving, you know, soulful stuff. Um, she was a big Ray Charles fan and so on. So anyways, I had this mixture, but in high school, I kind of late to the game, started getting more into popular stuff, um, rock, rock music and all. And, um, and started playing drums in some rock, rock groups. And, and then, and, uh, that continued on in college. I played in a bunch of different things all the way from jazz groups on campus to kind of electric kind of jazz projects to, um, cover bands and all the way to a punk rock band called the ugly Americans in North Carolina, um, which was great, super great band, good people, good fun. Um, and, and so it's, it was just kind of a lot of broadening and same in terms of the stuff I was listening to. Um, and the thing that was interesting about, about Oxbow is just the, um, the, uh, the level of kind of harshness and darkness uh on one hand it's it's this such a strange mix of of deep beauty but with some you know some real visceral harshness um and that was certainly true in the in the first couple records um maybe more than than later stuff but anyways it took me a while to get my head around that it took me a while to get around um kind of what the performances entailed um but there was something super compelling about it. Uh, and, and it just, you know, it, it, at some point I could almost see it happen where after a couple of years in the band, I just felt like, you know, this is as spiritual as any music I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is as, as for me, as fulfilling as any music I played. Um, and, and as fulfilling as it, with any of the other people I played with, which ranges, you know, pretty broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was an incredible project of court of uh, sort of me being assimilated into this <laughs> this musical entity. Um, and I don't mean the band as an entity. I mean, the kind of the, the, the musical thing that Oxbow creates. Yeah, well, it's like a it's like a world of its own kind of thing. It's like Oxbow became this because I, I know I'm sure you've, you've been asked, been told, whatever it's tr- to try to pin down the genre that you guys are playing is like impossible people want to call it noise rock or or some kind of avant-garde what i and i don't know what the fuck it i don't know what to call it never have and i just know that it exists uh in like you know uh how do i say it just transcends so many different genres and uh styles that i think that's one of the things that's so appealing about the band from back from fuck fest up to love's holiday there's just the variety in there uh, you mentioned there's a, there's obviously a change in sound, but being that it's the same guys doing it, it's not that it's not a big jump. It's like this natural evolution that kind of just grows arms, legs, lops them off, whatever. It's a it's a very yeah. cool discography. Yeah, a couple of years ago, it finally hit me. <laughs> When people call out individual Oxbow songs um, and say, oh, that sounds like a blues tune or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you guys sound a little bluesy. For some reason, that's 
always struck me a little odd. But then when I really thought about it, I realized, well, if there's any one good descriptor, it is that Oxbow is fundamentally a blues band or a, or a rhythm and blues band mm-hmm. in the context of uh, what the blues is about. Right. It's about the human experience, like most music is, um, but in a certain way, um, a kind of a very exposed um, let your let your soul bear, you know, be visible um, mm-hmm. and talk about the crap that's going wrong or the problems you're having or the stuff that is causing you to do stuff you wish you weren't doing and, and all that, uh, all that beautiful uh, subject matter, which is, is, you know, if there's anything that's about humans, I don't know what is. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, so I really started thinking, well, yeah, OK, in that context. It's, it's it's easy. It makes as much sense to call Oxbow a sort of R&B band or blues band as anything else. The problem with that, of course, is everybody immediately thinks of some blues band playing in a bar, some, right. you know. Uh, um, but the thing that the, the, the thing that really uh, kind of centered me in a strange way at one point when I started, we were talking once again about record labels and where we might want to try to find somebody to put another record out. And I and I found myself thinking, well, you know what? My, my fantasy would be to be on Atlantic. And mm. if you think about the trajectory of Atlantic, which is such a spectacular trajectory of music, yeah. it's all pretty heavily kind of blues tied, R&B tied in one direction or another, even if you get to, you know, Zeppelin or whatever. And I just realized that Oxbow is, is an incredibly pure atlantic project but like way off on some twig somewhere but like to the to the boundary you know it's like as deep as it could be but off in one on kind of one vector uh Mm -hmm. so anyways i I thought that was when i when i had that that image uh it kind of made sense to me yeah yeah no i i I can see how you get there well with the with you with the birth of the band was there any sort of spoken direction influence direct like or indirect like we want this to sound like this or is has oxbow just been this organic what this is what came out of it yeah it's been beautifully organic and uh any the only direction i i'd say has been let's let's just really try to catch ourselves the minute we start saying hey we want to sound like something else Mm -hmm. and let's really just try to make the music that is in our heads at the time um, so uh, in that regard, it's been kind of stylistically agnostic um, that has pluses and minuses. You know, sometimes it certainly doesn't mean you fit in if, uh, on the show or the club or the label or whatever. <laughs> People don't know what to make of you. Um, right. uh, but uh, I think we've been incredibly consistent that way. And the great thing is, is it means we're super interested and uh, compelled by all this music we've made. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, uh, thinking about our, our book of, of material mm-hmm. and, and we always now more and more when we're going to go try to get everything back up and performance ready, we think about, well, are there some songs we should leave off? We've yeah. always loved being able to pull pretty much anything out of the catalog and play it kind of on a moment's notice. But you mentioned a lot of it's pretty squirrely music. It's hard stuff to keep keep under your fingers and you know remember that dropped beat here and uh, <laughs> right. you know strange note there but as we pare it down 
and and now is a is kind of an unusual time because with COVID, we didn't actually play for about a year and a half. And that's really the longest break we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the a bunch of our older songs are are you know not very fresh and need some tuning up. But as we talk about dropping a song out, um, we kind of say, oh, wait, that song's great to play. Or uh, if we think, well, yeah, we could probably drop that, but then we play it, we go, wait a minute, that song's great. And the point is, is that we really just, we really enjoy kind of pretty much every song we've ever recorded and and, and love playing them and feel like there's purpose for them. And I've been in so many bands where it's kind of, you know, a third of the music, half the music. Well, you're not that excited about, you can play it. Um, but, uh, but this stuff is all very, still very vital to us, which is, a, which is spectacular. That's really cool to hear. Uh, cause you got, I, I don't know how many records there are, but you go back to late, late eighties, right? Fuck Fest is 89, I think. So that's a lot of time. So, so I imagine there are a lot of songs, even more songs than there are albums, of course, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. as far as more, more than, whatever number albums worth songs there are. Uh, yeah. And Love's Holiday, to me, from what I've listened to, I've listened to a lot so far, uh, is pretty different from everything. Not not like different, like this is not what I would expect, but just a little more different. It's a, a, to me, a lot more, a lot more just plain rock and roll. And I don't mean that negatively. I just mean mm-hmm. as, you know, and uh, I think it's very cool. And uh, I... I don't know. I just, I, I always get excited when you guys put out a new record and it's weird because I sometimes it's like a, sometimes it's kind of like an appointment. It's like a dentist appointment. Like I don't really want to fucking go, but I know I'm going to, like I, I know I should, <laughs> you know? And then I, then I'm always glad I did, you know, at the end of it, but it's, uh, there's something really interesting about love's holiday. I've seen some quotes and clips or whatever of, of you guys in interviews. I've seen Eugene describe it as a record of, of love songs, um, how did, what to you on a grand scale, what is the big difference about this record compared to the past Oxbow releases? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a pretty fair to say it's an evolution. If if you think about a uh, narcotic story and then thin black Duke, those were, mm-hmm. those were kind of simplifying in terms of yeah. the song structures. And they were also, um, you know, glimpses more and more of, of basic rock songs. Uh, we've, we've been pretty interested for one and not, not relying on, um, on the, the sort of weirdness and histrionics and, and feedback and mayhem, you know, that's, I think we're realizing more that's, I mean, we love that stuff and it has a great purpose and we'll never stop doing it, but it's also really easy to hide behind it. Mm-hmm. And you can sound big and powerful and badass, you know, much more easily doing that than by playing some really sparse song that <laughs> happens to sound like, you know, very close to uh, stuff you might have heard on on mainstream radio 30 years ago or 20 years ago, you know. Right. But at the same time, we, we realize uh, we all love, you know, we all love pop music from all genres. I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's good and bad, but the good is just so good, you know. And um, and so this is an area where we're saying, well, look, it, you know, if this stuff feels good and we're interested in it, um, there's no reason we shouldn't be doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And Greg always, drummer Greg always uh, says, look, whatever we try to do, it's still going to be an Oxbow song, and people for, for like, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I think the point is, is that we have faith that it's going to, you know, it's going to turn out as music we want it to turn out. Mm-hmm. And 
these songs, um, you know, we're going to get get ready to tour on them. We've been playing them a bunch uh, again in uh, in a rehearsal space, and uh, there's plenty of room for edge and intensity, and and in some cases, a lot more. Um, it's harder. It's going to be harder for us to convey that because it's just, as I said, very exposed, and so every. You know, every every place you put a note, every place you uh, show some dynamics, every quality of Eugene's voice on every word and in between, you know, all the space, all that stuff has the power potential. Um, but it's, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to get yeah. the intensity out of songs like that. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Um, and I, and of course, when we play live, I mean, the energy just amps up and we'll go off into the weeds and, um, stuff will be louder and rougher. And, um, mm -hmm. so I'm sure, I'm sure it will have, have the same energy and we'll certainly be pulling in stuff from the, from the catalog. Sure. sure. Well, what you were just saying there about the, the playing the new songs live, it reminds me of something that I've heard several times over the years. I don't know who says it or, uh, who, who's responsible for the quote, but something like blues music is this is the simplest music played by the best music is like the easiest music played by the best musicians or something, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's why it sounds so good. Uh, so it's like, there's, there's, it's simple, but it's, you can do so much with it because of, and, and that just reminds me of what you're saying there with the, the space and the, you know, when it's, when it's not backed by all that distortion and noise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, um, uh, that's also a great, uh, you know, from a from a laboratory perspective, that's a great one to do some inspection because uh, there are there's so many people playing blues and whether they think it's as simple or not, it's just not happening, you know, um, and for for uh, and there's some great musicians who are playing blues, but it's not happening. Right. <laughs> Um, and there are some really lousy musicians who are playing blues and it's just totally hidden, right? It's totally spectacular. Um, and so it's not about, it's not about the notes, the scales, the riffs, the chops, the whatever, the attitude. It's about the, the, the compiled sound and, and how much that is from one human, you know, reaching out to another. And right. I think that um, one reason there's so many, I think, kind of lackluster blues bands is because it's pretty easy to learn how to play speedy pentatonic scale riffs and so on. But it just totally misses the mark if it's just not music about the soul, you know? Right. If it's robotic. Yeah, that's I yeah. mean, it's uh, I, I love all sorts of music. And uh, one, one of the genres is I was just talking about this with a I was just talking about this yesterday with a technical death metal band about how they are a good technical death metal band. I, I, they're called horrendous. I think they're great, uh, but they are not what I would consider a tech death band, which to me is like the worst, like it's not the worst. Okay. It's not the worst, but it's, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You guys can do all the stuff, but it just, there's no songs here, you yeah. know, and uh, them for uh, that example do do that. And I think that's, you know, gets lost on a lot of people just cause you can do it. Doesn't mean you have to, uh, yep. which yeah, I guess and, is, <laughs> you yeah. say that about a lot of things these days. Well, that's right. <laughs> And and I think the same thing I just said about blues really applies to any music. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's the the genius comes out by by kind of checking off all boxes, but most importantly, the conveying conveying a, a message that is meaningful. And um, as soon as people get swayed by the performance aspect as a as a as a thing on its own, but but not thinking about 
why they're performing other than mm. making money or, or winning fans or being popular or whatever. Uh, if they lose track of the fact that this is, uh, you know, for the spirit, then it, it can really just go off into the, the wrong place, off into the ditch. <laughs> Would you say that's why Oxbow is still a band? Because you guys are still doing it for the spirit? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, we've all got stuff going on in life. Everybody's pretty busy. Uh, it's not that easy to, uh, you know, get together a couple of times a week and come back at one night and then wake up the next morning to get to work and so on. Um, but it's, it's important enough that we eagerly make the time and, and it's, uh, I think a super important part of everybody's life. Um, and, um, we all need a, a musical outlet. The great thing about Oxbow is it kind of it can satisfy pretty much almost all of our musical needs um, because of the of the kind of limitless nature of what we're doing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it just keeps going. And we you know we get together, get, we get along well as people, uh, interesting people, uh, uh, even at the the you know the. Uh, areas where we might be locking locking horns a bit um we still tolerate that generally (laughs) and so (laughs) it's just a great combination um you know i think a lot of us probably if this if this project's ended i i don't know what i'd end up you know what my next music project would would be and if i'd end up with something as deep as this probably Mm -hmm. unlikely well it's you brought up you know the just the guys in the band the you guys have you it's like a Oxbow is like an intimidating band to me in a way that you guys are all so you just so like characters and so accomplished each of you in your own things that have nothing to do with Oxbow. Mm. And it's really interesting to me that you all still come together to make this music, uh, really unconventional music. And that that's the thing. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Like all these, what I would consider successful people still all come to make this fucking weird cool music and uh, i don't know it's just it's a little fascinating thing for me about about oxbow yeah it's uh it's if if i think about the things that i i'm doing in my life and have done in my life it it ranks up there as one of the most important um because i think it's uh it's it is you know again it's an important spiritual outlet um that's both a personal thing but i also think that the music uh has merit for others to uh to enjoy and absorb and so uh yeah i mean if i had to like quit my career but could still you know but oxbow is still going i would still feel pretty whole if uh you know (laughs) if if oxbow disappeared but uh, i still had a career well yeah that's okay but it wouldn't be the same (laughs) 
and you know, I've um, I play some music with other people. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure I will keep playing music, but what I don't know is that I will be lucky enough to find a combination of people who who drive each other um, and are you know synced up well enough to do this kind of stuff. It's really a rare thing. I mean, I counted the number of bands I played when even just college, it was like, you know, I don't know, 16 or 18 bands or something, all sorts of different ones. And I just played with tons of people. Um, but there's always, um, there's always something that isn't quite mesh right. Um, or, or yeah, you finally got things to mesh, but then someone leaves, you know? Um, and so it's just such a luxury that this band has been intact for long enough and it's worked well, and we've all enjoyed it that we've been able to keep going. And, and the beautiful thing about that longevity is it just keeps getting kind of deeper and deeper, I think, in terms of the music and how we approach it. Do you know what the glue is there? Or is that like an, an like intangible, like, do you, do you guys like know what makes you work? Mm. Has that been defined, discussed? <laughs> That's a great question because it would be easier to point down the thing, point to the things that that should make it not work. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, when we're together, we generally have a pretty good time, uh, and and everybody. I mean, you know, we we spend very little time talking about music. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about other stuff, and um, uh, plenty of laughing, plenty of. Uh, plenty of good attitudes, but, um, a lot of breadth about just interest areas. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, you know, that makes it a lot easier if, if you kind of on the subconscious level are, are totally kind of in the same direction about the music, but then everybody's interested in a lot of stuff and everybody talks interestingly about it. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be spending time together when we're not playing music. Um, then, uh, that makes it pretty easy. Uh, the thing is, we don't spend a lot of time together when we're not playing music, other than when we're, you know, sitting there jabbering before we play in the rehearsal space or if we're on tour. Certainly, we spend a ton of time together. Mm -hmm. um, but I, uh, in terms of the glue, I think fundamentally it all comes back to the music. It's just, you know, when we start playing anything, it just kind of feels like, all right, this is the, this is the thing to be doing. Yeah. And we do a lot of, well, usually before we start working on songs in rehearsal, we'll, you know, do some sprawling improv thing for 10 or 15 minutes. And it can just be, you know, anything from some country rock thing to some funk thing to who knows what. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's always it's always really fun. And it, and, and as soon as it starts feeling a, a slightly stagnant, someone will push it off in some direction and it just stays stays fun and, and interesting and so I think the glue is is the the music and the spirit of the music. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting thing for me. I'm much to Eugene's dismay. I have a real hard time kind of processing lyrics when I hear music. I just I love music so much as as a soundscape and as a kind of an abstract thing that you don't have to get your brain working around. And so a lot of times I just kind of. I, I know the vocal sounds, but I don't know really even what the song's about. And so it's it's really interesting that, you know, my interpretation about what some of the stuff that Eugene has written about or what Nico has interpreted here, you know, reading Eugene's lyrics might be totally off base. But but I think, you know, musically, we still totally uh, we all completely get what the music is about. Yeah. Uh, and that and that is very true um, at the abstraction layer, 
maybe not exactly at the at, at the uh, the literal layer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's a, that's a great kind of alignment. Well, that might just be Eugene's writing style because I'll tell you what: every <laughs> every month I get Decibel Magazine in the mail, and the first thing I do is I go to that back and I read his column thing, whatever you want to call it every month. And there are some months I finish reading it and I don't have a clue what I just read. Like I don't like I, I reread sentences, paragraphs like I don't. It, it's the, the, still the first thing I read every time it entertains me every time. But sometimes I just go, I don't know. I don't know what that was. And I do that yep. with the songs. You know, I have the lyrics over here on the screen. I do that. With, and uh, yep. and I, but I think that's cool. I, I like it. But uh, to, to your point, and I was talking to somebody recently about this, actually a black metal band from England whose singer sings in Italian. And I was talking about how in that specific genre of music, those fucking vocals, those the words they're using doesn't mean anything to me anyway, because I probably can't relate to whatever black metal bullshit they're singing about. And I can't mm-hmm. hear it. Or, you know, uh, it's yeah. not enunciated. So I don't care that it's in Italian. <laughs> you know, that's great. It's just it's, yeah. it is another instrument. So uh, I, I totally understand what you're saying as far as the voice being part of the part of the song. Yeah. Everybody, everybody in the band is, uh, it's funny. Sometimes we think what the hell do other bands think about when they hear us talking about stuff, you know, (laughs) Um, uh, I don't want to generalize, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, knows how to speak reasonably well and everybody is pretty interested in topics and, and, and exploring, uh, exploring why we're all here and so on. Um, and, and so I think that, that just has to feed into the music. You know, if you, there's this, this stuff is the music is about very complicated stuff about mm-hmm. humans. Um, and so whether, you know, if, if, if the topic happens to be about somebody, you know, knifing somebody, well, that doesn't mean it's a simple thing. Right. And, and um, all the layers of what fed into any sort of poor human behavior entail a lifetime of of complexity and entail um uh joy and sorrow and and brutality and fear and all of these things and i feel like um it's it's narrow to try to sculpt a song just around the literal element i think one thing i hadn't really thought about this before but the thing about oxbow songs and the way we put them together is that the sound kind of captures the breadth of the subject matter, not just the the core literal stuff, but you know, all those, all those nuances around it. And so it might be a brutal song, but there's beautiful elements, you know, maybe in the harmonic motion or maybe in the decision to sort of pair something out and let it have more space and so on. Um, and so humans are complex and singing about the human condition is complex um, and, and playing music about it. Why not? Make it complex. <laughs> and so you point yeah. to the new songs, right? Yes, they seem, some of them are pretty simple. Um, well, and, that's what kind of what I was going to say. That yeah. first song, uh, was it was the first single, A Thousand Hours? See, I heard, I've heard it all, so I don't know which way yeah, it all that's right. went out. So, um, But that one t- took me off guard a little bit. I was like, oh, this is a, uh, but I, but it was a cool, it was a, it's, a, it's a very <laughs> cool direction. Um, well, yeah, it, it's great how much, uh, how much we can stay out of the voices range so that you can really hear more vocal quality. I think in the last few records, that's one thing that Joe Ciccarelli is really, I think, done spectacular stuff, just spectacular job is 
is being able to bring the quality of Eugene's voice so far forward because it <laughs> carries so much weight. Um, and so uh, in the space, the more you leave, the more you can hear what a note does and how it's hit and how it decays and how it meshes with some other sound that's happening. So I really enjoy that um, in these later songs. And the the problem is, is they don't they don't club you over the head and say, wow, I love this kind of music. Right. They might on surface level, you go, oh, wait a minute. I don't you know, I'm tired of that kind of music. <laughs> but then you got to really listen and realize, oh, wait a minute. There's a lot of really cool stuff to listen to here. So I think it is some people it's going to take more work or some people might not be interested in putting in the work. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but meanwhile, for us, uh, we're really happy with music and think it's uh, um, you know, really, really nice, nice music. I, I agree. We should say the important points are Love's Holidays. The name of the record comes out on July 21st, I think, is the official release date. Oh, and your first I'm surprised that it's your first, but it's your first for Epicac Recordings. Seems okay. like a label you should have been on in all these years. You know, it's like a perfect home for Oxbow. Uh, so, but that's 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 very cool that you guys hooked up with them for this. The yes. songs, um, I are these. I mean, this is your first album in six years. Is that right? Uh, yeah. When it by the time it comes out, yes, it'll be about yeah. six. So how that, that was going to me to my question? How long have you been sitting on these? A pretty long time. We we recorded the basic tracks right before COVID shut down. Mm. Uh, we were uh, in the studio for two sessions. The second one was literally like the week when people were talking about it more on the West Coast and uh, and and talking about whether stuff was going to shut down. So uh, we had been working on the material for at least a couple of years before that, um, and then we just kind of you know lost about a year and a half there in terms of of doing much with the basics. And then when uh, when things opened up more, we got back in and started working on overdubs and and so on. Um, so uh, in that regard, uh, it's kind of disappointing because we're on track to to pack some records together a little bit closer than some really long periods between albums. Um, mm. But as it stands, it's going to be just about like the last long, long spread. One of the things that I found pretty interesting about the record is that you have like your pretty traditional collaborations like Kristen Hader uh, on one track. Um, what's his name? Roger Joseph Manning Jr. on Thousand Hours. Uh, but you also assembled a 15 person choir, right? Not the first time I've heard of a band using a choir, right, on a record. But how does that subject get brought up? How does that idea come to Oxbow? Yeah, that was just somebody, I guess uh, we were talking about that in, a, in another recent interview. And Greg really pointed out, um, or maybe Nico said that it was really kind of Greg, a Greg idea. Um, be, before that, we we had played at Supersonic Festival um, and uh, conversation between Nico and, and the folks running that. Um, the idea was what would be something interesting to do, different, you know, kind of spectacle. <laughs> spectacular um and, and nico had been composing some choir parts so the decision was hey why don't you guys come and put together a choir we can help find some people and perform some pieces with the choir at supersonic uh which we did and it was really fun and uh and quite a workout and really interesting um and it came together barely and then you know with some real real high notes it was it was really really fun uh and just at mo moments it sounded just glorious that was really great 
Uh, and so, so when we were talking about uh, maybe, hey, we've done a bunch with recently more with some horns, woodwinds, and strings, and so on. Greg, I think, was one who said, well, "Why don't we just do more of this stuff with with voice and do it all with fire?" Um, so I guess that's that's the legend I'm I'm understanding. But uh, Nico uh, wrote a bunch of choir parts, and then he found I'm not sure whether this was somebody connected him with a a woman in um, in the East Bay here who who has this choir, and um, who could come in and and they had some rehearsals on their own to work up the parts because they're not not easy parts, and then they came in on the studio and uh, spent a couple of days recording the parts. This was really really cool. Did you get any, I can't, I got, I mean, I got to imagine this is not the typical music these people are used to singing. So, so did you have any interesting reactions from the participants? You know, they were all just cool and, and just came in and nailed it. Yeah. Um, professionals. Yeah. Professionals. And they're really good. And, um, Nico had, I think he went to, to a rehearsal or two with them and worked through some of the parts. Cause there are some, some parts which are tricky from a meter standpoint or some pretty tough harmonic stuff to, to sing in choir form, but, um, came out great. And of course, you know, in in the studio, you have the luxury of, of being able to take, do a few takes and get kind of get everything settled in, get, get adjusted to the sound in the room, the sound and headphones, whatever it takes. And so, um, uh, just the process worked, worked really fine. And I, and I don't know whether, I mean, to me, the thing that's most astonishing about this is that Nico writes, writes these parts, you know, <laughs> uh, and it's a very interesting process because this is like other things. He'll, he'll bring in some ideas and, and we'll hear it. And unfortunately, to work these ideas up, he has to use some kind of voice, you know, synthesizer, you know, um, stuff. So it always sounds weird because of that. But he'll bring it in and it's just, you can kind of know, okay, well, this is probably heading in a really direction, but there's certain things that kind of, you know, jab you saying, well, that's kind of weird. I don't don't know. (laughs) But then when it finally comes together and blends with the music, it's just, it's so great to hear. It's really nice. And, uh, you know, this, this music, some of these songs are a really interesting mix. I think they're capitalizing on the organic quality, maybe a little bit more than some of the, the records that have tons of upfront distortion and guitar and, and noise. Um, they've still got their loud electric elements, but it, it blends in a way that I think is really interesting on this record. And to me, a lot of these songs, there's always this just fundamental kind of sense of, of the organic, which I love. It kind of goes by quickly, but I don't think that's because of time. I don't, does that make sense? Maybe that was really vague and weird, but I've, <laughs> like I, I listen to it a lot on my phone, right? In the headphones while I'm sitting in my cubicle at work, right? And then uh, I and I realize I'm on Gunwale at the end, like it's already over, and yeah. like that's so, something about that track that makes me want to hear more. I don't know, like it's like oh, I want to go back into it again, and uh, it's which is a rare thing. It's like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like I didn't get it all, and I want to. I want to, you know, try again, but it's, it's fun. No, I know what that, I I know that phenomenon a lot when I'm doing something else and listening. And I think if, if the music is sort of more assertively jarring or, you know, spears your brain here and there, it's a lot more kind of, it makes itself, it forces you to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as, as something becomes kind of closer to, uh, 
you know, maybe a more stripped down kind of song, pop song sort of structure feel. Yeah. Um, it's not going to do that. It's, it's easy to sort of let the other thing you're doing kind of take, take precedence. And then you realize, wait a minute, this is gone. I, I've played even like, a, I remember at one point I had a Nirvana record that I hadn't listened to that much. So I was enjoying listening to it a bunch more, but it's the same thing, you know, I, and I was at work and that music's reasonably jarring, but I would just yeah. listen and go, wait a minute. I just didn't hear the last five songs. God darn it. You know, put it back on and go back and then just space out and, and you miss it. So I think um, this record is one where in classic 60s or 70s style, the right approach would be, you know, a dark room with some mood lighting and some who knows what, you know, mood mood improving, but sitting there and really just focusing on the sound, just listening and, and absorbing, um, which I've I've had a few times listening to it in a really kind of focused way and, and really found it really nice. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've given it a trial in a whole bunch of situations today. I took it for a run. Uh, like uh -huh. it, it's like just all sorts of like, I don't know. I've, I listened to driving in my car, whatever. It's on my phone. So like, you know, that's the of that for now. But, uh, but yeah. I think that, I think it's a, it's a good thing that I can listen to it at work and kind of not forget it's there, but it like just kind of goes by because if it, mm -hmm. if, it, if I didn't like it, I would be changing. You know what I mean? It would be like, uh, this needs to go. This is, this is distracting and sucks, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's certainly not that. Uh, yeah. What is the love's holiday? Can you just tell me real quick? What's the title? Uh, that would be a great question more for, for Eugene and Nico probably because they started using that title um, earlier when they were doing some duet work. So they've done a couple uh, little tours where they've they've just played together or they've played um, with others, um, you know, the, the orchestra or 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 other backing um, entities. So, yeah, maybe I should leave that. I don't know. Yeah, you can leave it. Like, you can, we can leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly Eugene has talked quite a bit and some of the other press opportunities just about the idea of of being kind of bothered that people don't understand that all of Oxbow's catalog is about our loves in one way or another. And, and I kind of felt like, well, it's time to just, uh, maybe we need to be more overt and just lay this out there. So people get it. Uh, well, so it, it sounds a lot more like a love song when it's called Love's Holiday and not Fuckfest, you know, so it's still a little ambiguous about what does this mean is, uh, is this a holiday uh, filled with love or is love taking a holiday? Mm, you know, yeah. Leaving? yeah. And so. All right. Well, I asked everybody this question who's about to release a record. So it's pretty basic. But what are you most excited about for the release of Love's Holiday? Uh, mm, I think uh, excited and maybe a little trepidatious, but shouldn't be. Uh, it's just it's, it's always really interesting to hear what people think of it and how people react. And, and as we, as we kind of veer around and the records kind of change in certain ways, there's always this element of thinking about why people, you know, been attracted to the band before and how are they going to process what we've just done? And, uh, are, are people going to like it, uh, decide that, Oh, it's changing somewhere. I don't want to go. Um, or are they just going to, uh, you know, who's going to misinterpret it and not put in the time to figure out what we're doing? Um, so 
Um, and then at the same time, every time we put a record out in recent here times, there's been so much uh, time between records that there's usually a flock of new people who don't even know our back catalog who are hearing it. So we're getting a whole bunch of new kind of people from different areas, giving us different types of feedback and responses, uh, which is always really, it's just great. You know? um, so you're getting people from who've been listening to all sorts of different types of music over the decades. Um, and uh, what we're hoping, of course, is that the people who've always liked Oxbow still like this stuff and and uh, the new people who come like it and, and are interested in listening to the back catalog and, and are willing to suffer through enough to start liking the back catalog because <laughs> they might have to go through a little bit of a, of a self-indoctrination uh, project, you know. A process. Sometimes so that's think, the best yeah. stuff. Sometimes it's the best way to discover a band is here, get the, the whatever the shit is now, and then yep. just work your way back. I found so many bands that I love that way, you know, yep. going backwards. And then you find, yep. oh, that first one was my favorite, or whatever. The third one is great. But yep. yeah, sorry, I totally cut you off there. But <laughs> no, no, and that's all right. And then I'm, I'm always, I, I'm always excited to play live shows. I just feel like that's really, that's really why music exists. Um, it's it's such a joy making a, a product like a record um, and being able to sort of, you know, get that out there. But but playing two people live is is super important to me. And so I'm also really looking forward to going out and playing and playing these songs and playing these songs mixed with with other songs and uh, just finding out how people react again in the live setting. Be great fun. Awesome. Well, you already, I believe, already have announced a U.S. tour. Uh, for this year, right? We've uh, about six shows, I think. So a couple, yeah, little little weekend jaunts, uh, one back east, uh, northeast, and then some West Coast shows. And we're working on trying to figure out how to, yeah, how to uh, get some other shows on the calendar. Nice. All right. Well, hey, last question. And all it is, is I want to know when Oxbow became two words. Cause like when I look at the album covers in the beginning, it's two, it's, or sorry, it became one word. It was two words and then it became one word. What's that's where did that happen? Point. Yeah. Um, I think Eugene talked about that recently and I'm, I know I hope I can remember uh, because I always assumed it was sort of a, uh, it was um, basically done by the art art person or the, the typesetting work. And I think he said that Jim Blanchard, who did the uh, first couple record art, um, maybe, maybe um had it as two words but what i don't know is whether that was a conscious discussion with eugene or nico or with the band or or yeah. not um i do remember that uh, there were certain times when people butchered that in the press really terribly to the point where we <laughs> just decided to make it one word um i don't know that it that it made it any any easier to not butcher but uh um yeah so i'm i'm not actually sure Neither am yeah. I, so... Can't answer that question.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dan Adams of Oxbow. The song you just heard was the first single from their new record, Love's Holiday. It's called 1000 Hours. That is available everywhere you listen to music. So go track it down if you'd like to hear it again or just rewind, baby. Turn it back. Go back in time. It's okay. You can do it. I want to thank Dan for the conversation that we just had that you just heard. He was by far one of my favorite people I've talked to this year for getting it out podcast, a true pleasure, a decent guy and a good time. And uh, just like the record loves holiday, decent time, good guy. I don't know. You know, it's cool. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Loves holiday really is great. If you've liked Oxbow before you'll like it. If you didn't like them before you might like it still, it's probably not what you're expecting. I never know what to expect from them, but uh, this one delivers for sure. Again, July 21st on Ipecac recordings. That's when it'll be out there for everybody. Artwork by Isis's Aaron Turner. Did I ever tell you the story about the time that using the word Isis got me in trouble with the government? Probably not. But, you know, it was a thing. But eventually they paid me money for that. So, I mean, it was money they took from me in the beginning. But anyway, that's that's a whole different story for another time. That actually includes uh, one of my most recent guests on Getting It Out podcast. He was part of that uh, spectacle spiel. That's not the word I'm looking for. Catastrophe. But that has nothing to do with this. Let's just end the fucking episode. We can do that. We will do that. But first, I want to encourage you to go over to gettingitout.net. See what's going on over there. I just moments ago posted uh, some news bits. One was a cover from Bone Church. It's CCR's Fortunate Son. That's from a new compilation that was just announced by Ripple Music where they are doing CCR covers, 29 songs, three LPs. Go get the details there. Pre-orders not yet ready, but they will be soon. I also just put up another uh, thing from the Soundgarden thing I told you about earlier in the episode. So that's the new things I can tell you there. The other new thing I want to tell you about is another record that's dropping July 21st. This one through Falling Dome Records. It's from a band called Gods of Sometimes. It features Brad Davis who's in Fu Manchu, and Andrew Gayakum... I can't say his last name. Holy fuck. Giac- G- I can't say it. He's in Moab. <laughs> and they have a new record. It's called God. Gods of Sometimes. It's a self-titled record. And there is a, a few tracks out for it. Uh, it's, it's straight up rock music, and it's cool. It's relaxing. I've listened to it a ton. I'm going to play you a song for that here. This one actually features Jay Maskus. Maskus. <laughs> God damn it. Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. is called In the End. I need to stop talking because it's not working well for me. So here it is. In the End by Gods of Sometimes featuring Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.